0: He looked at how Jesus the king brought his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. He declared the kingdom. He displayed the power of the kingdom. He made disciples to carry on that work so that after he died and was resurrected and ascended back to heaven, the disciples would continue to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. We looked at uh, Mark chapter 4 where Jesus talks about the, the, the farmer who sows these seeds. And, and there's, there's different responses to the message of the kingdom. Last week we looked at Christ being a suffering servant. Jesus came to serve, not be served. And give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to suffer and to die. And Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice. For our sins. And I've mentioned several times in this series that this, this role of the Messiah, the King, Jesus, it didn't meet the expectations of many Jewish people in their day. Because they were expecting this warrior, political king, this military king who would come and fight and take out Rome because Rome was in power and they were oppressors. The Jewish people were wanting to be liberated from Rome and Jesus the King came to liberate the Jewish people and all people from sin and Satan, death and hell. And so we talked about the kingdom paradox and how it's different last week. How the kingdom of God operates different than the kingdoms of this world and you and I have to have our minds renewed to, to, to live faithfully within the kingdom of God. The way up in the kingdom of God is down. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you serve. If you want to experience true life, fullness of life, then you die. If you want to be blessed, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And there's just so many paradoxes in the kingdom of God that God calls you and I, as Christians and followers of Christ, to live in. And so this week, we are going to wrap up this series on the hope of the resurrection. So we've talked about. The death of Christ last week, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And we're going to look at the resurrection. This, this is one thing that distinguishes Christianity between other religions. This is, this is what Christianity hinges on. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul called it the gospel. This is the gospel of um, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, It's of of first importance. This is what matters most for us as Christians is the gospel that Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised up from the dead on the third day. Amen. And so we're going to read Mark chapter 16. If you all would stand with me and let's read together. When the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James, Salome, brought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to any, anyone because they were afraid. And when he rose on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept, But when they heard that he was alive and he had seen her and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. And after these things, he appeared uh, in another form to the two of them uh, as they were walking in the country. And they went back and they told uh, the rest, but they did not believe them. And afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves. And as they were reclining at the table, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they, drink anything, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up in the heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Amen. Let me just say this. Um, I, I really struggled with, with preaching on this last sermon on Mark uh, because of these, the brackets that are in here. Most scholars would say uh, there's a couple of places in our Bibles, in our New Testament, that have these brackets. John chapter 8, uh, the story of the sinful uh, woman, uh, adulterous woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And there's, there's other places in the Bible that have these brackets. And there's If you have the ESV or some of the other modern translations, it says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include that don't want anybody's faith to be shaken by this in any way we believe in the inerrancy of the Bible that it's infallible that it is the inspired Word of God we trust in it but most scholars would agree that the earliest manuscripts don't uh, didn't have this. There are some who would argue that this this should be considered as reliable scripture this last part nine verse verse 9 through 20. I, I struggle with this. I, I definitely want to make one point from this because I think that what's in verse, verses 9 through 20 is certainly in other portions of the book of Acts, the book of Luke. Biblical, that's true, it's right. There's a great commission uh, regardless of whether you accept verse 9, verses 9 through 20 as uh, the infallible word of God. Uh, and here's the big idea. This is where we're going today. I want to focus on what's most important here namely that Christ died and was buried and he was raised from the dead and the effects and the benefits of that reality are great for us who believe. Christ has died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead and the effects and the benefits of that reality are great for us who believe. I think most of us here would say that we believe. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe this testimony, this report of Jesus being crucified and being raised from the dead. This is a historical event that took place at a point in time in history. And there were eyewitnesses who saw Jesus. There were people who saw the living Christ In this text, Mark uh, accounts the, the women being the very first to see Jesus. The other Gospels do the same. They are the very first to hear about the good news. The other Gospels uh, account refer to them actually seeing Jesus. I think Mary seeing Jesus and weeping there. It's interesting that God gives this honor to women. Uh, if, if somebody was trying to fabricate an account of, to make up this story... In, in this day, they probably wouldn 't have chosen to let women to be the very first ones to witness or hear about the good news and The reason I say that is because in that in that day the the testimony of women and, and women and children were not as valuable, uh, and, and there wasn 't as much confidence and trust that, that we may have in, in women today. Of course, God made male and female in His image, and we believe that that God loves women just as much as men and and there's that's a different sermon we'll get into that another time but the point is is that god chose to reveal the good news to women first uh kevin said recently that he thinks one of the reasons that happened is because god knows that women like to talk they're good talkers (laughs) they're good communicators and I can bear witness to this. You know, I, I bear witness to this, and, and you know, just being married to my lovely wife, who's a great communicator. Guys typically like to give the, the the abbreviated version of their day or their week or what's going on in their life. How was your day, honey? It was good, right? But you ask your wife, and she will give you all the details involved in that, right? Women are tend to be into better better communicators, and, and, and um, you know, one of the ways that I've I've learned this is through uh, games that involve communication, games like gestures, charades, fishbowl. Okay. And it's fun. I'm a, I'm a competitive kind of person. I love having some competition. And usually the greatest competition, uh, when it comes to these communication games is, is, uh, competing against the women because the women just knock it out of the park every time. Uh, they're just they're, they're they're just they're gifted at communicating. Uh, you know the game fishbowl. You know it gets down to where you like you have to guess what what the answer is by a person's facial expression. And the ladies that you know they can just you know they got this this special communication wave that they they communicate to one another and, and they just they humble the guys every time. I do want to honor the women who are here this morning, uh, especially my wife. Who- uh, so, so Jesus reveals the good news. The, re, the good news is revealed to women. They, they get to carry that good news first. They get to be the very first ones to go tell the disciples and go tell Peter. Okay? Uh, here's, here's my first point this morning. We who believe now have hope beyond our failures. I, I want to point out that in verse 7, when when the, the angel... Mark refers to this guy as a, as a guy with, with, a, with a white robe. The other Gospels refer to this as an angel. What, what he says to uh, the ladies here is he says, you know, he's risen, he's alive. And then he says, uh, but go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you in Galilee. Why is this important? Why is it important that he, why, why doesn't he just say, well, go tell the disciples. Go tell the disciples he's alive. He's alive. This is important for various reasons, but one of them is that it was not long before this that Peter denied Jesus three times. Look look over and hold your finger there in, in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, um, verse 26. And Jesus Jesus tells his disciples over and over throughout this gospel He's going to die, He's going to be resurrected. He's going to die. He's going to be resurrected. And uh, verse 26, it says, this was after they ate the, the Passover supper and they sung a hymn. I love that because I like to sing. Jesus, they, together with his disciples, they sung a hymn together. And they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. OK, it's, it's like Jesus is is huddling the disciples together like a football huddle here. Uh, here's the plan, guys. I'm going to die. But hey, I'm going to go before you uh, to to Galilee. We'll meet up at Galilee after this is all said and done. We'll be meet up back at Galilee. Right. I'm going to die. Uh, but after I'll be raised up. And go before you to Galilee. Verse 28. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. They were insistent. They were like, we'll go. We're committed, Jesus. We got this. We got your back, man. We'll die for you. But they 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 cower. They they scatter, just like Jesus said they would. They they failed to be as loyal as they, they thought they were to Jesus. I've said this over and over, I've said this a few times in our in our series that there's nobody that follows Jesus perfectly. Those of us who, we got some committed followers here at City Church that, that are sacrificially committed to following Jesus. But I tell you what, there is nobody here who has arrived and who follows Jesus perfectly. Okay? There's nobody who has, you know, this halo around them because they've been following Jesus perfectly and they're just, they got the glory cloud around them and, and, and they're, they're perfect, you know, their, their breath never smells and whatever, you know. Uh, we're we're, we fail as human beings and jesus knows this he knows this better than we do and yet he loves us yet he loves us he loves us more than anybody else in this world and knows us better than anybody else in the world that's an amazing truth god knows every detail about us every flaw and, and many of them that we may think are hidden from from others god knows those flaws and he loves and he accepts us in spite of those. Because of the cross, he receives us. He loves us. He accepts us because of what he's done. And so so he tells Peter, You're you're gonna deny me. I mean, Peter had some self confidence here. Peter had to get humbled by his failure so that his hope would be in God, the God of all grace to keep him and sustain him, not in his own mere willpower to follow. Peter was a tough guy, rough guy. He could make, make some things happen, right? But he sees, just like every one of us, that if we're going to follow Jesus, we, we have to lean upon the grace of God. And we have hope beyond our failures. That's what's awesome about Christianity. I saw somebody uh, this weekend with a shirt on that said, uh, no perfect people allowed." And I like that. I mean, it's, it's making a statement there because the truth is there's none of us who are perfect, right? We're all broken and flawed and we all have our issues. But as Christians, we have hope beyond our failures. Some people, some people never rebound when they fail, when they fall morally. Some people, some people get stuck in a pit of despair and their sin and they fall so hard and they can never forgive themselves. And they can never get out of the depression and the despair of their, their sinfulness and selfishness. But through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I have hope beyond our failures. Because our hope isn't in us. Our hope is in Jesus, in Christ alone. My hope is found. Our hope is in Jesus, and He did everything right. He did everything right that we failed to do. He obeyed the the Father perfectly in our behalf, and He became the perfect sacrifice for you and me so that we can be forgiven. And to prove that what He said was true and who He claimed to be, the Son of God, to prove that it was all true, that what He taught and what He said and that His sacrifice would take away the sins of the world, that He would be that for us. To prove that it's true and God puts His stamp of approval on that and on Jesus and, 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 and as a promise to us, as a guarantee to us, He proves it by raising Jesus from the dead. He vindicates what Jesus taught, what Jesus promised. He raises the Son of God from the dead. God wasn't caught off guard. Jesus was not caught off guard when he was crucified, when he was killed. It wasn't like, okay, guys, let's go to Plan B. There, that play did not work. We need to we need to rerun this. Let's send in the the, the the power power hitters here. You know, uh, this was all a part of the plan of God. To send Jesus to suffer, to, to, to suffer, to serve, to sacrifice his life. And the, even the disciples, they struggled with this because they, they had to have their mind renewed as far as what the Messiah, the expectation for Messiah should be. And so, so, so Peter denies Jesus. He denies him. And then look at this, verse 32 and 14. He says, when they went to the place called Gethsemane. And, and so, so Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took them with Peter, James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch go a little while far- farther. And he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass. And he said, Abba, Father, um, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me and uh uh, he comes back to his disciples, verse 37, he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour, watch and pray that you may enter, that you may not enter into temptation? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went and he prayed the same thing. Um, and, and so Jesus is in one of the most difficult hours of his life. And he's telling the disciples, now's the time to pray. And these guys are nodding off, they're falling asleep, they're tired, they're, they're, they're weary. And they failed to be spiritually alert, to be, these are, these are apostles. This is Peter, James, and John, the three big hitters uh, amongst the twelve, right? And these guys are falling asleep in this, 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 time, of, uh, this time of need. They needed to, 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 to watch and pray. And, and we, can, we can all relate to this, can we not? Aren't we the same way? Can't we identify? I know I identify so much with Peter. And I'm so encouraged that that the Lord wasn't through with Peter after he failed. Peter might have been surprised by his failure and his weakness, but Jesus wasn't. Jesus loved him and accepted him in spite of that weakness and failure. And so we who believe have a hope beyond our failures. Uh, In this text, in in chapter 16, uh, the angel says, go tell Peter. This implies that, that Peter still has a place. God's not through with Peter. In the other Gospels, we see, uh, John's Gospel, we see Jesus actually talking to Peter and saying, Hey, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He, he restores Peter. He asked him, he, uh, Peter denied him three times. In John's Gospel, Jesus asked, him three, asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, he's kind of convicted. But Jesus is, is affirming that he's not done with Peter. And he restores Peter. We see in, in verse uh, 14, uh, Mark sixteen fourteen, when when after he appeared to the leaven, the leaven themselves, as they were reclining at the table, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had saw him after he was risen.
1: This isn't just
0: uh, Mark, the end of Mark, this part that says, that communicates this uh, in Luke's, at the end of Luke's gospel. There's those the guys on the road to Emmaus, right? They're on the road to Emmaus and they're thinking, they're, they're, they're speaking in despair. They're not thinking, they're not like, he said he was going to rise on the third day. They're like, we thought this guy was going to be the Messiah. We thought he was going to be the one who would save us. And, and and Jesus, like they didn't recognize Jesus and they're walking with Jesus and he says, you know, you, you foolish, foolish ones and slow at heart to believe all that the prophets have said. And John's gospel, Jesus shows up in a room and after the resurrection, he shows up and, and Thomas is like, we call him Doubting Thomas, right? We call him Doubting Thomas. We got Thomas Davis over here. He loved Thomas and he showed up for Thomas and in his in his doubts. He's like, I won't believe it unless I touch the scars on his hands unless i i I need to see it i need to touch it if i'm going to believe it right and jesus meets him there he shows up and he he says hey thomas go ahead go ahead touch it and and he says you've seen and you believe thomas but blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe They, they hear the testimony they hear the word they believe it uh, and so we see Jesus being gracious and patient with his disciples who struggle with doubt, who struggle with failure, who struggle with sin. And that's you and I, because Jesus, Jesus came to save sinners. OK, and we have hope because Christ has died in our place. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. There is resurrection uh, the women here in verse, verse eight, you know, some scholars think that this, the gospel of Mark is meant to end on verse eight. It's a very interesting place to end. Others think that, that the original was the original ending was, uh, ripped off or something happened to, there's all kinds of theories of, of what they think happened, but verse eight, look, look at this and they went out uh, the the angel says to him, go tell the disciples and Peter uh, that he's going uh, before you to Galilee. Then you will see him just as he told you. OK, so you would think that the disciples and those who knew Jesus and heard his teaching, who who heard over and over, he's going to die. He's going to rise from the dead. You would think that they would be expecting Jesus to be alive. but They weren't. They're, they were in despair. They were pleasantly surprised and here verse 8 we see the the women they went out and they fled from the tomb for the, for trembling and astonishment seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid now you might say well this this is appropriate right uh, we see in many places in, in mark's gospel it's, a, it's an appropriate response to have this all at the power of god that jesus was displaying right so we see that as an appropriate response here. We don't see it as an appropriate thing when in fear, people don't say, people don't confess Jesus. They're afraid, or like Peter denying Jesus. So there's, there's some different views on this verse here. Like, is this, were they, were they failing here? It leaves it with, there's still a thrust that Jesus has risen, and there's still an implication that you and I who believe Need to take action upon this. Uh, you and I who believe, we have a hope beyond our failures, and you and I who believe now have a hope beyond the grave. This is good news. Verse 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. This gospel reality, this truth is is throughout the New Testament. If you believe, you're gonna be saved. And you have a hope beyond this grave. We, uh, Jesus said this in John's Gospel, in John eleven twenty five. 25. He said to, to Martha, before he raised her brother Lazarus from the dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha's like, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection. She had a theology of the resurrection. It was, it was common for, for Jewish. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't. There were people who, who didn't believe that there was a resurrection. And so the New Testament teaches that there is a resurrection and it's more than just theology. Jesus says here to, to, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And whoever believes in uh, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is powerful truth here for us. Jesus teaches us that there is hope beyond the grave. This life is not all that there is. This life is not all that there is. And one of our one of the problems with with us is is we live like this life is all that there is, even as Christians. We try to preserve and save our life and we make compromised choices because deep down within we believe this is it. This is it. My my family, my house, my job, my stuff. This is is all I got. This is my portion in life. Nobody better take it from me. But, But when this gospel truth sinks in for us, we get freed up from trying to cling and save our lives and preserve our lives. We get freed up to do what the followers of Christ have done from the first century. Give their lives for the mission, for the gospel's sake, for Christ's sake, for the sake of the nations hearing this message. We have a hope beyond the grave. Just think, if this sinks in, think how this will affect your giving, your generosity towards others. If this sinks in, think how this will affect your Uh, your your participation in outreach and sharing the message with others other people need to hear this they need to believe this they there are other people who need this message if this sinks in just think about the boldness and the courage that you and i will live our lives with think about how fear can be broken off your life fear of death fear of evil we live in a day where fear abounds there are There's uh, potential nuclear war. There are sicknesses. Think about facing cancer and sickness in this life. If you believe that there is hope beyond the grave, how you can face that and endure that. Well, this speaks to a deep need that we all have. And there is something within us that says there must be more than this. There must be more to, than this just 50, 60, 70, 80-year life here on Earth. There must be more to this, and the gospel deals with our biggest problems: sin and death. The gospel of Jesus Christ deals with that. Christ has paid for our sins. Christ has risen from the grave. Death is terrible. I think we would all agree when we see reports on the news of of people dying and we see people suffering. We're grieved and we groan with the rest of creation. There's something in us that says it's not supposed to be like this. We're not made to die. We're made to live with God forever. And the gospel addresses this biggest problem, death. Sin and death, the effects of what humanity has brought upon the world through through disobedience to God. The gospel addresses this. Jesus addresses it. Peter got a hold of this. Peter had a hope beyond the grave. He experienced it. He saw the risen Christ. And this is what he says in his letter, in his epistle, First Peter. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead you and i who are believers in jesus christ have a living hope within us the end of the story is not when you die that's not the end of your story saints in 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 a sense it's the beginning right of of a new age, of a new time for you. We are promised, because Christ is risen, we are promised new bodies ourselves. The implications of the resurrection are huge, are huge. Paul hits on this. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the whole chapter is about the resurrection. He's defending the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the saints. He, He says this, he says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all the most to be pitied we're the most pitiful people on the face of the earth if this life is all that we have hope for okay the gospel offers us hope in this life and in the life to come hope beyond the grave but the but in fact christ has been raised from the dead he was seen paul mentions in 1 corinthians 15 he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses not just the women the disciples saw him and then there were five hundred eyewitnesses. He walked around after he was raised up for about forty days before he ascended into heaven. And he was showing up. He was meeting people. He was encouraging people. He was speaking about the kingdom of God. The scripture tells us, okay, before he ascended back into heaven. There's a a journalist who was an atheist who was trying to disprove. His name's Lee Strobel. He wrote a book called Case for Christ. He was was trying to disprove the resurrection. He was trying to, to expose Christianity for the hoax that he thought it was. And in his diligent efforts to try to expose Christianity for the hoax that he thought it was, he himself, as he searched diligently, as he used his journalist skills to try to disprove Christianity and expose these foolish Christians, and I believe his wife was one as well, he, he, he got saved he himself became a christian he was trying to oppose christianity and he got saved paul was a terrorist he was a jewish radical terrorist who was having christians killed and jesus post resurrection post ascension jesus shows up as paul's on his way to damascus and he knocks him off his horse he blinds him he says, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> and this, this terrorist gets radically saved and he becomes one of the greatest apostles, one of the greatest missionaries of time. And that, that, just, that is powerful proof and evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just Paul, but throughout history and your lives today can bear witness to that as well. When you live in light of the hope of this resurrection. When you live like this life isn't all that you have, that that you have a hope beyond the grave. You can give your life away. You can lose your life because you know you will find true life in Jesus. And this life is not all that we have. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 51 through 54, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable. Does anybody want an imperishable body? I don't think anybody here has theirs yet. Just looking here. I mean, you guys look great. But I don't think anybody has their imperishable body yet. For this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. For when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come the past the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. And victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ can you just can you resonate with with paul's statement there but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ i mean if you're around a lot of death this this hits home for you if you're looking at a lot of death on the news and you see death and you, maybe you work at a hospital or, or maybe you have a, a parent, a, a dying family member, and you're just, you're grieved by the reality of death. I mean, this deals with that enemy. The gospel deals with that enemy. And here's the response. Here's the proper response. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in him. I was talking recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the campus of UTD with Brayden Hosel and a couple of other guys doing some evangelism. And we were talking to some students and there's some sharp students there. I love that campus. Very diverse. Uh, but there's some sharp students. We ran into a guy. Um, a graduate from Duke, and he was working on his PhD there at um, at, at UTD, and he was he was an atheist. Uh, he grew up as a Christian, and I guess he had been an atheist for about four years. I'm assuming that when he started going to Duke, he became an atheist. Um, and so we're, we're we're talking with him there, and I just in that conversation, I'm I just like I, I'm thinking like how could How could this guy, this atheist, how could anybody live life with no, with no hope that there's more than this? How could anybody find any purpose and meaning in life if there's no creator God who made them? And there's no hereafter. What's the motivation for morality? What's the measure for morality? You know? Why, why should we value humanity? Why should we do what's right and what's good if there's no God? And I tell you, this, this is powerful. This, th- this is what the world needs, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need this hope that there is more than just this life. This changes everything. And you and I are charged by Jesus to bring that message to the world. Uh, the last part here, uh, we who believe now have a message of hope to proclaim. Jesus says, said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation I love this verse. I have an evangelistic bent. I, I love this verse a lot. It's consistent with Matthew 28, by the way. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, it says, they, they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message with accompanying signs. You read the book of Acts. This is what happened. Okay? The word of God spread. It it went out. God confirmed his word with signs and wonders. Jesus was raised from the dead. God was confirming through the witnesses, the eyewitnesses. God was confirming through the miracles that he continued to do. And you know what? I don't think God's done doing miracles today. He's the same God jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever i don't think he's done doing miracles i you know jesus said in in john's gospel john 14 he said he who believes in me the works that i do he'll do and even greater i mean what do you do with that I, i think you need to at least believe that god still works miracles today and he's still doing great things today through those who believe in him we should pray for those things we should pray for healing we should pray for god to do things that we can't do in and of ourselves be aware of accepting a christianity that lacks power a a christianity that denies the power of god lastly proclaim the gospel boldly and openly jesus took these cowardly disciples they were they proved to be cowardly they denied them and, and, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. They have this hope of the resurrection. Jesus is alive. They've seen him. And they, they, they get boldness. They get boldness to speak to the religious leaders of the day. They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. So go share it everywhere, openly, boldly, and proclaim it faithfully. Paul says... He's not ashamed of the gospel. He's eager to proclaim the gospel. He didn't count his life as dear to himself. He, he gave his life to testify of the gospel of grace. And I'm over time, so I'm going to land the plane here. Application here. Let the good news of Jesus, let the good news of the resurrection assure you, let it assure you that this life is not all that you have. That assurance can lead you to be bold in the face of adversity and persecution and death. It can lead you to be radically generous with your resources. It can lead you to endure sickness and suffering well. That, that assurance can lead you to live a holy life. To, live, to make decisions that honor God and that, that help others. Make it a priority, lastly, make it a priority to share the good news of resurrection hope with others who have no hope. Here's a response. I preached this the week after Easter, when we celebrated Easter, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. This is the response after Paul gets done with 57 verses on the resurrection. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, would you cause this reality to sink deep within our hearts and go from our heads to our hearts and may it be displayed through our lives that we believe this. This is true. And may the power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ live in us. May the power of that hope be alive in us. And may we boldly share this message. Unashamedly share this message. Openly and freely share this message about Christ. That He... Has come and died in our place. He's resurrected. He is alive. He's coming back. So let's celebrate that truth that He's alive. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to experience the great benefits and effects of what He's done for you on the cross, being buried and raised from the dead. I'd like you to raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. You're welcome to come up. If there's anybody here today who wants to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you and we'll put your hope and your trust in Him, just want to give you that opportunity to, to do that.